Hello and welcome back to another episode of Politics on Draft with me, James Tabor. And me, Kartik Sawney. Join us as we go through the political news of the world and try to make sense of everything that's going on. Each week we'll talk about current affairs, political topics and offer some insight, research and opinions along the way. We'll also be bringing on some special guests with interesting stories and their experience of politics. So whether you're a massive politics nerd or someone who simply wants to know more, you're very welcome to join us every Friday from 8am, just in time for your morning commute. So get comfortable, get a drink, and remember, the best politics is always on draft. Hello, Kartik, how are you? I'm good, James, how are you? Yeah, no, I'm not doing uh, I'm not doing too bad. Are you feeling a bit better for, for the listeners at home? Kartik was a bit ill this week. Well, I wasn't ill, I just, okay, so I woke up and I just had a massive click in my neck, and yeah. it just clicked, and I was like, oh fuck, what's happened? And then I just had neck pain and back pain the whole day and i still have a bit of back pain because i decided to run for the train on the way home today because i needed to make the podcast with james mm. um, Do you know i also experienced back pain quite a lot of uh carrying this podcast now um so- wow <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, any, anyway, that at all. A, a, anyway on, on that note uh kartik what are you drinking today i'm having water because yeah, and, yeah. of my back pain yeah, and as usual, I'm carrying by actually drinking and doing exactly what we say we're going to do on the tin. You know that bit in the beginning when we say, oh, yeah, grab a drink and join us as we like, you know, like, yeah, I'm doing that. Well, not, I, I, not, not, yeah. water <laughs> is a drink. Yeah, but, you know, you'd be laughed at at a pub. No, I'm joking. We are very happy and inclusive for everyone to come in. Um, Right, lots to talk about this week. It's going to be a quick podcast because we're doing a cheeky little info blast about what's sort of been happening in the last week or so. Um, But Kartik, you wanted to speak about... um, some some stuff that's been happening for us recently yeah no so james and i have been working in westminster and in mp's constituencies so we won't tell you which mp we're working for we can tell you james would you be okay telling which party we're working for i think it's pretty obvious which yeah, party yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm working for uh james if you're if you're comfortable why don't you go ahead and tell us what you've been doing for the last six weeks yeah, no, so I have been working for a Conservative MP. Um, Sorry. I know, I know. I've been, honestly, I've been getting the biggest amount of shit from my fellow co-host for the last six weeks about it. No, um, but uh, yeah, no, but it's been really interesting and uh, sort of been working on some different campaigns, uh, some sort of national policy. The, the MP that I work with is kind of like, more into the very kind of like local things and so there's been a big kind of like drive for to kind of to get them sort of more wised up on some of the big issues and stuff like that so i've been kind of helping on that and uh yeah no it's been a really really interesting experience how about yourself kartik yeah so i've been working for a labor mp um they're a shadow front bencher so it's been working a lot more on the policy side of things compared to James working on the constituency side of things. It it forms an interesting contrast whenever we have a conversation because we're talking about the two different sides of politics, um, almost, but not the two different sides of politics that most people think of at home. It's been really, really interesting. Um, It's been interesting hearing some of the conversations I've heard over the last six weeks. Um, Mm. It's been interesting hearing seeing some of the things that I've seen over the last six weeks. I was, on Tuesday, I was at the British Kebab Awards and um, I saw Nadeem Zahawi who made a speech about him, about kebabs. 
And um, <laughs> God, uh, it, he was booed off stage uh, by people shouting from the back of the room, pay your fucking taxes, um, which was... Is it, the, is it the kebabs that did your, your backing? Because it was that night that actually... <laughs> it was. It was the night after. Um, yeah. that. No, I think it was just sleeping funny. But anyway, and then I also saw Steve Baker make an absolute tool of himself um, on stage. And then I don't want to criticise my own party, but Angela Rayner sort of didn't do the best speech, which... Oh, I did me... hear that it was a bit kind of like she started talking about we all love a, like a kebab or something. It was a bit worse than that. If, yeah. if people are interested, you know, James, if you want to bring it up, you can bring it up, but I'm not going to go any deeper into it. But it did make me question whether it had actually gone through the press office. It was that it was quite <laughs> that bad. Um, yeah, I've, but, I've only I've only heard heard stories, so I can't I can't definitively comment. But uh, but no, but ultimately it's been a very interesting uh, time, and it's been interesting now doing the podcast on the side of it. Um, yeah, because I think that's been quite a you know we tried to keep it um, kind of stum for a bit, but we thought we'd address it. And uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's interesting and certainly has kind of shaped both of our kind of view on politics but also the kind of working of politics because obviously it's not just all you know like so if it's shaped your view on politics does this mean that you're a conservative now no because it's not shaped my view in terms of my it's not shaped my political opinion but it shaped my view on how politics works Mm -hmm. is the best way of putting it it certainly hasn't shaped my because i went into it explicitly saying to the MP that I am I'm I'm don't have political affiliations and yet mm. they, they still they still picked me and I have debates with with them about sort of political stuff and I have debates with the other um, members of staff about it and it's quite mm-hmm. um it's quite interesting and it's you know at no point have I made to be feel you know like if I've got a different opinion that doesn't match up with you know other members of staff opinions that that's problematic if anything it's welcomed so yeah Yeah. no it's it's really really it definitely adds to the podcast in terms of our opinions are almost a little bit more verified in that sense well you'd hope so but yeah you'd hope so it actually makes our opinions worse i I think tiktok uh commenters probably think otherwise (laughs) yeah exactly uh, that's one of the reasons we're not telling you the names because if you think our opinion's really shit then you won't go and tell our bosses (laughs) yeah i saw one comment on the tiktok about when we were talking about scotland and then it was basically questioning our our ability to talk about scotland saying like oh what part of scotland do you live in and it's just (laughs) (laughs) well Um, we we have we have a very very senior figure from smp coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks so look forward to that and i know i promised that there would be a a guest this week but life happens life happens people drop out people don't respond to emails when they're supposed to and that's okay wind your your neck in if you pardon the pun (laughs) let's talk about some stuff that happened this week and we're going to start off with the probably the, the biggest well, I don't know. They're all pretty big, actually. We'll start off with a kind of continuation of last week. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Northern Ireland. Kartik, where are we at? It's not just Northern Ireland, James. It's Brexit. I mean, we we thought it was oven ready. We thought it was done. Well, you know, some people thought it was oven ready. And some people thought it was done. Those people mm-hmm. were idiots. The people that said it were bigger idiots. Um, it's not done. Well, it might be done now, but I think it's still not completely done. Um, so the new Windsor framework has been signed to alter 
the Northern Ireland Protocol. And that basically means goods moving from Great Britain, which are staying in Northern Ireland, which would use a green lane um, at Northern Ireland ports. So, which means that they wouldn't have any paperwork, well, minimal, minimal paperwork and no routine physical checks, but goods moving through Northern Ireland and therefore into the Republic of Ireland and therefore into the EU um, would have more paperwork, would have physical checks because basically they're moving into the EU. So they need to meet EU standards. And effectively, mm. that means goods in Northern Ireland will have less checks. Goods staying in Northern Ireland will have less checks. It's caused a lot of controversy, right? Boris Johnson said he doesn't know if he'll be able to vote for it in full conscience. Um, and the DUP is still consulting whether they're going to completely vote for it and whether it passes their seven tests. I still don't know what these seven tests are. James, if you know these seven tests, please no, tell I, me. I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not aware, to be honest. I, yeah. yeah. But on Wednesday night... Uh, after PMQs, well, a couple of hours after PMQs, Ian Paisley, one of DUP's MPs, said he didn't believe it met all of those seven tests. So I don't know whether it's actually going to go to a vote in Parliament, whether the DUP, ha the DUP has to informally agree to it. But surely the DUP does have to come to so sort of some well, sort of if, if they want, if the DUP want to conscientiously bring, like, reorganise Stormont, then... Yeah, yeah. Then it then there does need to be some sort of uh, agreement, and uh, I think this uh, that like because uh, uh, Rishi Sunak has been sort of praised in the in the press by this, and kind of mm -hmm. said, you know, it's he's finally got something right. He's kind of mm -hmm. finally showing conviction politics. And uh, to be honest, I don't know. I think he's just doing a, what you'd expect a prime minister to do. But that's a that's a whole other kind. So of... Are you saying he, other prime ministers didn't do what you would expect other prime ministers to do? Uh, in well, in terms of kind of, let's just say he has done something that needed to have been done without any kind of like ridiculously controversial or unethical. Uh, but you can say he's done something that needed to have been done a long time ago. Yes, and that's we all that, knew. We all knew that the EU was going to have some sort of foot in Northern Ireland, in Great Britain, mm. as a result of the Good Friday Agreement, as a result of, you know, just the geography of it. It's, it's. I mean, it's basic critical thinking. <laughs> yes, but then I think the argument is that he wasn't in, you know, like when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer, he wasn't in a tenable position to go, you know, saying to Boris Johnson, this is something you had to do, because Boris Johnson could have just said, yeah, no, like, you know, but I that I yeah we can we can look retrospectively. This has happened. Um, but I, I think I, I think I no I think Rishi Sunak to an extent does deserve some praise for it. He negotiated it in good faith. You know the king was there to sign it all off. Meeting bringing uh, bringing in uh, von der Leyen was very good as well um, to kind of <laughs> go everything. And I think that's actually very good because it it shows that there's there's there is the kind of foundations of a potential relationship mm. which speaking, doesn't need to happen speaking from a parliamentary perspective do you think it's going to go to a vote in parliament do you think he's going to try to use a statutory instrument to get it through and people will try to pray against it what do you think is going to happen i don't know because the issue is is that we haven't heard too much from i mean i know that we've heard from uh we, we've heard from boris johnson uh, I think Mark Francois may have 
came into the debate a little bit as well, mm-hmm. just kind of basically saying that the, the the fundamental principles of Brexit must not be, you know, um, sort of uh, compromised. Who the um, hell knows what the fundamental principles? Yeah, are? Uh, exactly. Exactly. No, the, the, the fundamentals of principles of Brexit don't know what the fundamental principles. And of Brexit the thing, are. the thing is, is that I, I'm. I don't know. I, I don't know. And it all depends about the ERG, but the ERG won't necessarily go public, mainly because Sunak has brought in the likes of Lee Anderson and Greg Hans to try and Braverman. rein in all of that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite difficult. My analysis of the whole thing was I thought that... Did you watch that interview where he kind of started talking about the benefits of uh, Northern Ireland? Oh, yeah, that was weird. To the Um, the single market. I thought it was very weird. He basically just kind of said that Northern Ireland are in this fantastic position where they can have access to the EU single market. And that's brilliant for, for the economy. It's brilliant for business, despite basically sort of totally and the government briefing against that for the last sort of five years and that's something that actually Stephen Flynn brought up in uh in PMQs mm. and I, I bashed him last week but I actually thought that was I'll give him praise this week for PMQs because he raised some quite interesting points in that yeah um in that respect and no and I watched that clip and I was quite pissed off because he was so close to admitting Basically, the thing that he's been campaigning for that made his political career effectively is wrong. And yeah. I was just like, oh, you're a dick for that, aren't you? You just you just, yeah, you just, just sort of got some praise and now you just really... It's it's bizarre. I'm not sure who necessarily kind of briefed him to or like what the press team were thinking about in that uh, in that regard. But I think he was just trying to say, look, how, look, I'm basically Tony Blair. Look what great things I've done for Northern Ireland and Northern Ireland loves me. And um, mm. that's what he was trying to get across, but it just came across really poorly, yes. and I don't think he can make that argument. Yeah, but, but on the whole, it seems that Rishi Sunak, uh, the the kind of, it's come across as a very good thing that he's done, and that you know people say, yeah, you know, is this kind of the the start of a you know decent prime ministerial career for for Rishi Sunak? Just the beginning of the end of it, and it and it lasted for about a day because uh, yeah. on on Wednesday. Oh, actually, it was it was literally when the early hours of Wednesday. Or it was early, the early hours yeah. of Wednesday. Because um, I saw it because I was up at about midnight. Um, uh, Isabel Oakeshott, uh, yeah. former former journalist, uh, now <laughs> For, she still is a journalist. I think and she is, but she she self-proclaimed. Like she's walking on TikTok, journalist. She self-proclaimed that she is now into writing books. Uh, she has come out and leaked. Uh, around a hundred thousand. Well, she's claimed to have leaked a hundred thousand. She she says she has access to over a hundred thousand. Yeah, hundred thousand WhatsApp leaks between mm. Matt Hancock and Fett and uh, sort of various other uh, sort of senior Tory figures of the past during lockdown and now, and they are all very much kind of exposing some of the problems that or some of the things that Matt Hancock has said in private, which have been very different to what he briefed the public during uh, lockdown. What were some of those things, Kartik? Oh, there's a lot. Um, let's just, let's work backwards, right? And let's go from what's just come out at eight o'clock today. So 
it's interesting because I think it's a mix of cronyism. I think it's a mix of what the hell were you thinking? This is mental. To okay, there's a bit of an anti-lockdown agenda here from the Telegraph and the people that have got access to these WhatsApp messages. Because today there have been messages leaked between Simon Case and Matt Hancock talking about, oh, you know, I'm, I'm reading out verbatim here. So Matt Hancock said, 149 chose to enter the country and are now in quarantined hotels due to their own free will. Simon Case, at the time, the country's most senior civil servant, goes hilarious. And then there are... Oh, so many more. Let's just let's just scroll through. Because one of the one of the other ones was that he um, basically uh, tried to scuff the numbers with demand, basically saying that he had to reach the one hundred thousand target um, yeah. because it was important to kind of brief the public that you know everything is being done. When and some of the texts seem to suggest that actually demand wasn't there, like not as many people were having COVID. Yeah. And I think was, yeah. this is this is where so there have been tweets that have come out and said this is going to badly impact Rishi Sunak. And so far, I haven't quite seen how it's going to badly impact Rishi Sunak. But if people don't remember, Rishi Sunak was the chancellor at the time during the COVID COVID nineteen pandemic, and. He obviously, coming from the Treasury and working in Parliament now, almost every single spending commitment has to get approved through the Treasury. It's completely true what they said in the thick of it. You know, the the Treasury are mental. Even if you don't see see them in an email, they think you've started a palace coup. It's all true. So this £100,000, this 100,000 tests target that Matt Hancock was wanting to achieve, which there was no demand for, clearly had to be approved through Rishi Sunak. But I, but I don't think it will, because I think, you know, number 10 will be already sort of like thinking, what's the plan here? And Isabel Oakeshott has claimed that she's going to, uh, you know, like be progressively releasing the information. So mm-hmm. you know, we haven't seen anything about Rishi yet. It might come to like next week. Mm-hmm. And number 10 will be thinking, what do we do? And it might mean just briefing against Matt. You know, Matt Hancock isn't a part of the Conservative Party. He's an independent. He sits on the bench, but he is uh, still suspended because of his I'm a Celebrity appearance. Mm -hmm. They might just choose to throw him under the bus. You know, he's Mm -hmm. not going to be coming back as an MP. They might say, you know, we were misled into believing that uh, all the figures were correct and that we didn't know that there was a sort of an ulterior motive behind it. We just don't know. So we're going to have to see how this unravels i think what's really interesting is actually the whole how matt hancock's been responding so you you touched on it isabel oakshot is very anti-lockdown she's very sort of questioning on the whole sort of ethicalness but also just the kind of like sort of doing a lot of questioning and at the time people like that were very kind of like put to the ground and said no don't be stupid this is what we need you're just like being anti-vax anti-lockdown all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. but the way matt hancock has because the, the other thing is, is that Isabel Oakshaw actually helped um, Matt Hancock create his book Pandemic Diaries. She was mm-hmm. brought in as a kind of ghostwriter. Yeah, ghostwriter. And so she felt that the messages were in the national interest. Now, the first thing that Matt Hancock and his team came out and said was that the WhatsApps were doctored, altered in order to fit a suit and anti-lockdown agenda. Now, of course, there's an anti-lockdown agenda to this. I think that's that's fairly obvious. But then mm-hmm. what he said afterwards was, 
it was a betrayal of his trust. So, and for me, that is really interesting because at first he's saying that it's not true, but then he's saying that he's really disappointed because he feels like he's been betrayed, which leads me to kind of think, oh, well, maybe it is true because mm. he wouldn't need to be saying it's betrayal of trust. He wouldn't need to go into the kind of personal mm. kind of almost like back. And it's interesting that Matt Hancock talks about a betrayal of trust because remind me again, James, yeah. how did he end up leaving office? Yeah, um, a cheeky security camera. <laughs> um, cheeky but, security camera where he was caught yeah. cheating on his wife, basically. But the, but the issue, but the issue is, is that, and this what this what doesn't sit well with me is the fact that, you know, he he was so, if he was so anti anti lockdown, why would he have like hired Isabel Oakshot? It's interesting because I I think in reference to what we were talking about the Northern Ireland Protocol and you know finally Rishi Sunak has has you know basically hit something decent in terms of mm. he's done a good job with the Windsor Protocol. It's almost like it's the extreme right of the party briefing against Rishi Sunak because I feel like eventually this will hurt Rishi Sunak, and it's convenient timing. Everyone is talking about the lockdown files. It's in every single Labour Party briefing. It's in every single SNP briefing. It's in every single Lib Dem briefing. And I think eventually it will come back to bite him. What I do find interesting is that the fact that this many messages are being... I mean, we all know that the government is entirely run on WhatsApp, right? Mm. And they... and. You know, government ministers over the age of 40 see end-to-end encrypted and think, yay, fucking brilliant. We can send whatever we want on this. Mm. But, and now they're using it to sort of almost write their diaries on it. And I have seen yeah. evidence from other cabinet ministers, and this is public information, it's on FOI uh, web pages, that you can basically requesting to view all of their messages in under mm. WhatsApp to write their political diaries and that's not what a political diary is a political diary is you write something at the end of the day and you almost feel like you're in the office with that person when you read it this is quietly going back and picking out select bits of information because i've read pandemic diaries and it almost makes matt hancock look like the hero of the 21st century he almost saves the entire world from uh, from the uh, from a global pandemic but this is portraying a very very different image this yeah. is a man that is desperately trying to save his own political career and you know the other thing is, is that of course, like if Isabel Oakeshott was so ethically minded to the point that she thought that those WhatsApps needed to be leaked in the national interest, why did she go ahead with being a part of the pandemic diaries? Because I'm sure she she was that was a financial interest for her. I'm sure absolutely, so absolutely. I mean, pandemic diaries have done very well, very well. Everything. I'm, I'm, yeah. And and Matt Hancock's going on a bit of a you know he's did the whole he did the whole um, I'm a celeb he you know he's been making a book because he's he's coming out of the kind of public uh, sort of polit- public political scene and is going into whatever he is going into I'm not sure and I'm not sure many people are too bothered what he goes into mm-hmm. um, so it's I find it all just very very bizarre and it is it does almost feel like this kind of soap opera of like can't believe they just like find out in a week what Rishi Sunak and, and, and they're releasing it in drips. 
Yeah, and, and it, it just feels really superficial in my mind. And 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 the the, the Wednesday messages were what between him and George Osborne requesting yeah. a, a good headline about the hundred thousand targets, and that almost seems minor now compared to what we're seeing well, today. It, well, it does, but also, I mean that that message in itself is seem does seem tame because to be honest as a government you'd want to kind of inspire public public confidence that you know i don't blame him for kind of trying to i don't think you should mislead the public but it's what spin doctoring is you literally are working the press in order to kind of exuberate confidence but, but how so, independent are these press i mean the press he was speaking to was george osborne yeah i know and that's and the former that's, chancellor that that's problematic as well um, yeah I think Can the thing about care. I was going to say quickly, okay. the thing about care homes, I think, is despicable. I about agree. Ad- advice. I mean, my my grandparents both died from COVID being in a care home, and I've, to be honest, for this whole time, I've been managed to separate the kind of the two. I've I've almost kind of I, I'm in a bit of denial. I don't want to believe that my parents uh, grandparents died of, of COVID because I don't want that. I don't want them to just be associated with that label. But this news did very much anger me. Um, I didn't know that about that. I didn't yeah. know. It's very, it, yeah, that that does anger me because, and it mainly angers me from the big perspective because, you know, I, I was able to kind of, I was able to for many years have that experience with my with my grandparents and get to the point where I don't didn't associate them with the kind of the COVID and just the kind of like problems that, elderly people are associated with but there'll be people who's like you know parents died who's you know people who've taken prematurely so and that's very that's very aggravating to hear and here there's there's all this like laughing and cronyism and and just general like yeah. disregard for actual human empathy i mean that some of these politicians are people that you know say that they're doing it for the greater good they're doing it for changed lives Covid changed people's lives, and as mm. politicians, you were there, supposed to be there to help people, but you are laughing at the people. And I don't want to sound like a populist here, but I think there is a f- serious failure in government, and that is a quote from someone we're going to talk about at the end of the podcast. Um, but yeah, I think I think we should move on to the next one because I, I know I got a bit serious there. No, into, no, it's fair enough. Before we do, can we talk about Gavin yeah. Williamson? Uh, yes, we can do. Yeah, have you seen these? Have you seen these texts? No, have I you haven't. seen this excuse? Oh, it was something to do with the unions, wasn't it? Well, it was something to do with the unions. He said basically yeah. teachers were looking for an excuse not to work during the pandemic. <laughs> said Gavin Williamson during the uh, uh, during the pandemic as he was education secretary, and I, and then his defence was basically quote unquoting. Um, you know, oh, you know, I wasn't referencing teachers. I was, I was talking about the teachers' unions. Well, Gavin Williamson, you're probably not listening because you don't listen or read anything because you're fucking thick. But who do you think are part of teachers' unions? Hmm. Butchers, journalists, podcast, champagne, champagne drinkers, uh, champagne as, drink- as, the, as the old Thatcher rhetoric. No, they're <laughs> fucking teachers, Gavin Williamson. Please. But also, I've never heard such an insult to people. Like, because I think teachers are one of the the most b- sort of brilliant cohort of workers yeah. in this country. Who the reason why they're doing what they're doing is because they want to inspire the next generation of people to do brilliant things. And yeah. 
you know, it's such a blessing that we have teachers, you know, it shaped everyone's career. And to just literally say that they, you know, to just insult them in that manner, it's, it, yeah. yeah, it's despicable. But it just adds something. We've got a bit of time, James, because mm. we've got about about 10 to 15 minutes left before we can, we have to talk about our last mm. topic as well. But do you want to talk about what it was like during the pandemic? Just to, just to give Gavin Williamson sort of an idea of what it was like during the pandemic for mm. students our age and what we had to basically go through on the day of our yeah. results. We'll describe it in one word, and that's limbo. Yeah. Having no idea what's coming up, mm. no idea whether or not you'll graduate, no yeah. idea whether or not you'd be dumped with an exam or whether, you know, kind of you'll just end up where you wind up, basically. Yeah. Um, basically, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying lockdown was an enjoyable experience, but obviously for, for many people in education, it, it I suppose it did feel like a bit of like, oh, like, I mean, for me, certainly in year 13, it did feel like, oh, it's over. This yeah, is I probably it was weird because I went into school on one Wednesday, and I and and I'm quite I was quite close to all the teachers, and and I and mm. I joked with the school receptionist, and I was like, oh, I might see you in August, and this was in March, and then yeah. we went home, and then Gavin Williamson was on the telly saying, oh, you're not going to school anymore, mate. Stick yeah, out. and I think it's, I think it's honestly so naive to kind of in any way because i more and more i think when you had these people like gavin williamson and matt hancock that almost seemed a bit personable you know a bit like oh you don't associate them with the kind of like real elite of like you know you're sort of eating and everything like that especially matt hancock because i think people did kind of warm to him a bit better than say the likes of boris johnson hmm. Then you thought, oh yeah, they understand us. But then all this is coming out, and it's like, no, actually, I don't. I don't think you do. You know, yeah. as I said, you're laughing, you're making jokes, you're kind of assuming a position, a very high position of power and nepotism, <laughs> and kind of actually enforcing the whole us and them mm. thing, almost and, like. And, and talking about us and them. If you were, you know, on results day, we we rocked up and we got our results and a lot of people were pissed off about the results. I was pissed off about my results mm. because basically the teachers were going to recommend a grade and then, you know, it was going to go through a regulator and it was going to sort of whittle it down to say, oh, you know, this is the grade you're going to have. Then on the day, literally, I was still in the school hall when the policy changed and it was literally, oh, no, it's going to be the grades that the, the teachers the gave teachers you. great central assessments and yeah yeah it's, it's almost like we're borderline grateful because if my grades were not readjusted and you know basically i was supposed to get higher grades than i got if if i if i didn't get those slightly lower grades i wouldn't have met james at uni and you wouldn't be listening to this podcast so no. fuck you gavin williamson but also it's, no, I'm not going to give you credit. Let's, yeah. move <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on because I think we can talk. We'll talk about Matt Hancock maybe a little bit more when that kind of uh, agrees. That. And to be fair, we should do like a, a just a, a larger kind of COVID reflection and the political dimensions now that we've had, you know, almost coming up to four years of kind of like <laughs> since the beginning. It doesn't feel like it. It's three, it's three years in a few weeks, but it'll be four years by the time we get to election time next year. Mm. Um, but let's talk about the news that came out today. Very interesting news. Um, mm -hmm. 
I said the quote earlier of uh, there were serious failings of government. That, of course, came from the Sue Gray report uh, mm-hmm. to do with Partygate. Sue Gray, the um, the permanent uh, civil servant, has now uh, become Keir Starmer's leader of the opposition's chief of staff. Yeah. Which is really, really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I'll hand over to you, Kartik, actually, because I think... It'd be interesting to get the Labour sort of perspective on on this. Uh, I'm, I'm not mixed labelling it, yeah. but but let's uh, let's hear what you have to think about that. I'm mixed on it because it's clear that she's very well respected. She's very good in terms of she's very well across her brief. Mm. But I know that sometimes, and you know, I'm not I'm not victimising here, but Labour have certain issues that people tend to pick on them for and the conservatives have certain issues that people tend to pick on them for and i feel like the daily mail is going to have a big spread and the telegraph well maybe not the telegraph i think they're focusing on other other stuff at the moment but the daily mail the sun are going to have a big spread on, on how the party gate inquiry was not as impartial as everyone thinks it was. Boris Johnson's allies and Nadine Doris's mm. allies and Liz Truss's allies are going to be all arms up in the air. But from another perspective, if people have forgotten about it, if people have moved on from Partygate, if people have moved on from Boris Johnson, which I'm still mixed about, I'm not sure if people have moved on from Boris Johnson. I think some people definitely have. Those people are sane. Um, the other people need to be sectioned. Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I think if you moved on from Boris Johnson and if you moved on from Partygate, it would seem like a great decision to you. It would seem like Labour is finally preparing itself to be ready for government. They have someone who is very well across the brief, uh, civil servants like her. And I know for a fact that Labour is looking to recruit more civil servants with, within to its sort of political advisors, parliamentary mm. researchers role, because they know their way around the departments. And because we've been in opposition for so long, we don't know our way around departments necessarily. So I think it's a good decision. I think it will lead to more civil, servant, uh, civil servants hired into the Labour Party. And I think Sue Gray's good, but I can also see why we might receive some temporary negative. Pressure. I actually don't think you are going to. I'm going to disagree. And I, I think, actually, I think you're probably in a better position than necessarily you're going to give yourself, uh, not necessarily credit for, but just uh, willing to concede. Because I think the simple thing is, is that this is a very difficult thing to brief against. Because the simple fact is, is that if you start to accuse Sue Gray of being impartial in a scandal that pretty much, well, was a big factor in bringing down the former prime minister, but mm-hmm. also caused so much anger in this country. And you're making conspiracy theories about that as a public senior public figure. I think you're just, you, you, I, I don't think that's going to, particularly bode well for you and that's something that the conservative party and this will be something that sunak will be thinking of and will have to tread very carefully because if he starts claiming that sue gray or if some factions in the party start claiming that sue gray is part of some left-wing establishment or you know was secretly on the payroll of uh, of keir starmer like they sort of profess with the unions mm. people are just gonna say how dare you how dare you be a part of party gate and now actually say that there was a problem with the report itself yeah 
and actually and and also because the amount of MPs that signed a vote of no confidence against Boris Johnson on the basis of that report, if they were to then come back and then say, oh, we have a problem with the report, then it causes even more conflict. And Boris Johnson will just come and say, well, then why did you sign it if you now think that, you know, Sue Gray was on, on the payroll? So mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly problematic for the Conservative Party. And I think they're going to have their sort of, you know, their shoelaces tied up here. Hmm. And all I can see is a, t- is a total Labour win. They're going to benefit from this. They're going to seem like good, responsible, ethical government who's, you know, uh, or f- you know, future government who's bringing in the right people who are, you know, full of ethics. That's hard to come hmm. by these days. Um, so, yeah. I, it's interesting because you, you, you brought up an interesting point that I hadn't considered. Maybe I was just, you know, trying to be fearful of what's possibly coming over the hill, especially in my inbox in a couple of days or possibly tomorrow morning. Mm. But um, it's interesting because I think them criticising Sue Gray, and I don't think it's going to come from government departments. I don't think it's going to come from number 10. Mm. I think it's going to come from Liz Truss and Boris Johnson backers. But it would piss off a lot of civil servants if it came from number 10 and if it came from government departments because civil servants really like Sue Gray um, oh, yeah. and, and it would just lead to complete sort of paralysis across collapse potential collapse I'd, I think civil servants are stronger than that um, some may disagree um, Jacob Rees-Mogg would disagree so they're Jacob lazy to get their pelotons but <laughs> Jacob oh no there was actually something else from Jacob Rees-Mogg in the lockdown files did you see did you see that oh his children getting like priority testing or something like yeah that. so basically when there was when when Matt Hancock wasn't meeting his 100,000 test target, he was basically sending tests to, I think, the leader of the Commons at the time uh, to, to to his house that were couriered straight to a um, uh, a testing centre, which, to be honest, I'm, I'm going to defend here because I sort of understand. You sort of want government to function properly. And if, if Jacob Reed Smog's children have COVID... Jacob Rees Mogg may have COVID, therefore we need to make sure that Jacob Rees Mogg doesn't have COVID. Yeah, but I think people would, just see, that, people, people would just see that as cronyism and nepotism. So I don't necessarily think that it will be seen as that. But I understand the argument um, yeah. in the case. But uh, yeah, is there anything else we need to cover? Or I think pretty much. I think that's it for now. Um, let's let's come back next week. Let's see what more has happened. We'll come back to the lockdown files again if that's yeah. okay with you, James. Absolutely. Um, because I think there's going to be more to come. We're going to have a guest next week. Hopefully. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Try not to eat too many kebabs that your neck gives I'll off. try not to eat too many kebabs. I'll try not to eat too many kebabs. And, uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been an interesting week, and I think we're going to have another interesting week next week. Um, so thank you very much for listening. My name, as ever, is James Table. And my name, as ever, is Kartik. Tony. Forgot my last name. <laughs> and uh, and we'll see you next week on Politics on Draft. Don't forget to follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, and all the socials. Uh, yes. Link in, in the description. Yeah. See you later. Bye bye. Bye bye.